Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you to this second week of a small two-part series where we're talking about vision. And we're talking about how that vision that God has for our lives and the perspective that he wants to give us is so vitally important. I do this, I'll pause a few times a year and just felt like we're at such a critical season. We've had so many of you that are new. We wanna bring you in. We wanna include you in what God's doing and spend a little time pausing to think about it. I wanna welcome all those that are watching online. Welcome those at our McKinney campus. Welcome those that are streaming with us right there live in our Hazlitt campus venue as well. Would you put your hands together and welcome everyone that's joining in with us. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to pause and give you a verse out of the book of Psalms, Psalm 127, but we're going to spend our time in Matthew chapter 16. We're gonna look at an anchor verse, a critical verse, when you think about this, and this is what we're gonna think about this week. Last week, we talked about how vision, God's perspective, As we get into scripture, we look at the word of God. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say about how we see the world. We saw that the Bible says when our eyes are clear, our bodies are also full of light. So the clarity by which we see God, the clarity by which we see his desires for us influence our whole lives. And so we talked a little bit about that. The word of God changes our perspective. If you're new to scripture, let me, let me say this, let me simplify it for you. It, it mostly, what the word of God primarily does is it introduces you to Jesus. The goal that God has, the theme all the way through, even those stories maybe you don't understand, they're, they're all connected to the narrative that leads us to the person of Jesus Christ. That's God's desire. It's not just a dusty old historical book. It's, it's a life-giving book that wants to introduce you to a person. His name is Jesus. But it also changes our perspective when we get the chance to see how God sees the world and how he wants us to see him. This week, though, I want to talk to you a little bit about also another thing that Scripture does as we get clarity and God's desires for us become clear. We also begin to see principles. We begin to see practical principles, truths that actually work in real life. Because as we are living out our lives, we are building our lives on something. We're building on something. You're using some type of principle or truth to direct how you live. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. That's why I honor these families for saying, we wanna build our house with God's direction. Because unless the Lord builds the house, the Bible says we can be doing a lot of building, we can be doing a lot of stuff, but we can be building in an empty way. We can build in vain. The Bible also says that children are a gift from the Lord. We don't have possession of them, we don't have ownership, we have a stewardship of them. 
And here's what I love of God's principles. This is what's so powerful. When you get a hold of eternal truths that come from heaven, and you begin to prioritize those principles, those principles are transferable beyond you. You can actually pass that stuff down. They're probably going to sell your trophies in a garage sale. There's probably a whole lot of the things you do that no one will remember, but guess what? When you build on God's principles, you can transfer that to the next generation. It can become their principles and they can own it as they're building along. I wanna give you just a little moment just to pause. I, I believe it's a gift sometimes because we are so busy, our calendars are so full, we're running. I know, I look at some of these families with all these little kids and I know, man, it's like one's in soccer and one's in dance and I remember those days, man. You're just like, woo, man. I was thinking about Ryan down there on the end with four, you know, now you got a man, you're going to zone defense when you get four, like one's an accessory. You just carry, when we had Hannah Grace, we just carried her around like a purse, you know what I'm saying? She just go wherever we, we get four, now it, boy, it's on now. We gotta get a March Madness strategy of level of defense to play this game. And you're running around and you're doing stuff and you're trying to get this person to that but I want us to pause for a minute, because I think it's healthy and valuable to think about what we're building. Whatever age you're at, building a marriage, building a business, building your life, building your character, building as a grandparent the influence you have on your grandchildren, building things that really matter, things that are really valuable to us, I think it's good to pause sometimes and think about it because the truth is we're all building something. We're all building something. We're, we're building those relationships, we're building those families, we're building and we're looking at a picture that we hopefully believe God has called us to and we're putting our hands to work and we're doing things and we're building things but the second thing we need to realize is the reason you need God's principles I find a lot of people wanna know a lot about vision and what God has for their life, but not a lot of times are people thinking about, okay, what I see and what I build with is what I'll usually end up with. You usually end up with what's on your plan. In fact, the real eye-opening thing for me in 27 years of being a pastor, I've done pre-marriage counseling and a lot of times I'll see a young couple come in and. They, they want to start talking about this future marriage. But by the way, those of you that are single, you've already started building stuff before you get to that place. You've already started building your vision of what marriage is. And I find a lot of times they come in and I start asking them questions about what are you gonna build this marriage on? What are you gonna prioritize? What are you gonna do when you disagree? Who, who, who kind of settles the disagreement? Like, what are we building on? And a lot of times they're just like, well, I just love her. And man, she's hot and he's a hunk and we're in love and we just hooked up and we're together. And I'm like, that'll wear out. <laughs> At some point, that's not enough to sustain this thing. So we gotta have some principles. And what happens is you usually end up building and getting what the plan is. My dad was an engineer. I grew up 
in a home with a drafting table. So I, I, he, he knew how to build stuff, you know? I, I'm a pastor, I'm a people builder, I'm a people coach, man, I want you to win, I want you to build with the right stuff, I want your home to stand, I want your family to stand, and I wanna help you if you need to rebuild. So I build people for a living, but my dad built stuff, factories and equipment, and he built stuff, you know? Engineer, pocket protector, mechanical pencil, horn rim glasses. Y'all got the picture? My mom was a intercessory prayer person. She's that person you want praying for you when you get sick, you know? She was a real spiritual person. Not a lot of logical answers to many questions, but man, she, she knew God, knew how to talk to him, y'all know? I was a young kid, I had at 12 years old an encounter with the Holy Spirit where I felt like God was calling me to ministry. I know that's radical, you're like, man, I would like to have that. God, God wants to speak to us many times more than I think we're open to it, but I was just a young kid. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I felt like God called me to ministry. I walked out into our family room. I had crocodile tears. Mom, Dad, I think I'm called to ministry. My mom said, thank you, Jesus, I knew it. My dad said, sit down, boy, we're gonna diagram this for a little bit and work out how you're gonna pay your bills and uh, all these other things. I, I grew up around plans and if you build something, we're building a lot of things right here on campus right now. And, you know, you might get a cute little perspective drawing or a little video rendering, but the reality is what's being built is being built by the people that are looking at the plans. Can I ask you this question as a gift to you? What plans are you building on? What principles are you building on? Because I see way too many people in today's culture that take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and sometimes, unfortunately, the only plan we have is maybe a model that we've seen in our lives that was broken and didn't work and we just start nailing up stuff and putting stuff up and then it begins to fall apart and deteriorate. We're going to have though adversity as you pursue building what God has for you. You're gonna have challenges along the way. That's why it's important to get a clear picture of God's promises and God's principles because anything that is great, anything that God calls you to along the way, you're gonna have some ups and downs. You're gonna have some adversity. There's no pain like kid pain. There's no pain that's more real than when you have it in the areas of the people that you love the most. And you're gonna have some struggles along the way. And that's why you have to have those principles and promises of God to hold on to them. So that's what holds you to what you believe God's building in your life because he's true to his word. I had a vision when I was a young boy to be a Major League Baseball player. Back, I had a bunch of Major League Baseball cards back then. My dad and I, there, there were no MLB channels, so we would watch the game of the week. And I thought, man, I'm gonna be a baseball player. I'll never forget, I got my first you know, real uniform. I'd played a little t-ball, got my first real uniform. I'm like, man, the vision's becoming a reality. It got me a new upgrade glove. Come on, you know, oiled it, you know, broke it in, got it all rubber banded with some good leather softener, had my glove, and man, my vision was becoming a reality, but now we're not hitting off the tee. There was a real kid there. He was big, and man, he could throw the ball really hard, and he was throwing at me. When I got up there, my vision, you know, I'm like, I'm ready. All of a sudden, he threw the ball, hit me, bam. I thought, well, I'm done with that vision. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> That's, that's enough for me, man. I'm out on this. Of course, my dad tried to use reverse psychology. He said, you're going to act like a baby. You can go sit with your mom. I was like, gag, gag, goo, goo. I'm going up in the bed. <laughs> well, 
It's phenomenal back here, you don't get hit with the ball. How many of you know if you're going to build what God's called you to build, you're going to have adversity, you're gonna get hit with the ball. So you have to have the principles that you don't think work, you don't hope this is true, you have to know that you know that you know that this is God's principles and I'm gonna hold on to them. And the other thing that we underestimate is, and I talk about it so much, we can't build anything great by ourselves. You can't get there on your own. That's the way God made us, that relationships are so valuable to have people around you that when you wanna quit, they don't let you quit. When you wanna quit on the principles, they don't let you quit on the principles and the truths of God's word. They're going to continue to remind you of who God is and what he's called you to. In Matthew chapter 16, we see a picture of how God builds. This is an anchor set of passages, an anchor set of scriptures. In fact, this section of scripture, when we started 20 years ago, I felt like this year, periodically, like last week, we talked about Luke 15, which was such an anchor passage that this year in our 20th year and even in the fall, I wanna keep taking us back to some of these core anchor truths that have created the environment, the, the principles that, that have created this ethos that you are now a part of and some of you knew, I wanna make sure you know it. And in the early days, I think there, were, there was a three year period where this anchor truth of how God builds I would do seven and eight week series on these principles that I'm about to show you. Why am I so passionate about these set of passages? Let me show it to you. Jesus is with his disciples. The Bible says they go to Caesarea Philippi, this region. You're like, why is it important that the Bible is telling us that they're in this place? Well, they're in this place that's the headwaters of the Jordan. And in this place, when you see a reference in a minute, to the gates of hell not overcoming what Jesus is building, everyone that was in that time period knew what Jesus was talking about. There was a cave there, and there was a crack, and there was steam coming out of it, the headwaters of the Jordan, and Jesus is with his disciples at that time in the darkest place that they could actually think of being. In fact, good committed Jewish followers would not probably go to this place. There were pagan festivals, human sacrifices, every kind of evil debauchery that you could possibly imagine. Jesus brings his disciples into that place and he says this, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus here says, it's not about what they're saying about me in the public sector. He begins to ask a very personal question. It's a question that I would like you to let the Bible ask you today. What about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? People today say Jesus was a good teacher. He's a good person to get some moral truth from. He's a potential way to salvation and eternity with God. People have all kinds of statements about Jesus. He was just a historical figure. 
As we come into Easter now, you're gonna see more documentaries and more comments about Jesus and maybe people who have a great intellectual approach that maybe dismiss who he really is. But Jesus is not so concerned about what everybody else says. He looks directly at them and says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah. This is a big deal. This is a major thing for him to do. As a Jewish follower, his family and their family and just generations of God worshipers were waiting for the one who would come and redeem mankind, who would come and make us have the opportunity to have access to God. He says, you are that guy. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, we're talking about what God does in our lives to build, Jesus gives a recipe here. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. So this wasn't just a preacher talking. This wasn't just a book you read. This wasn't just some information. God himself, look at this, but my father who is in heaven is the one who revealed this to you. He gave you this revelation. I tell you that you are Peter, Notice, I love this too, because if you're gonna do what God's called you to do, you're gonna have to know who God's called you to be. You're gonna have to know who you are in Christ, not based on what everyone around you says about you. And I, I love this because he changes this Simon name of a reed blowing in the wind to Petros, the rock, and he says to him, you are Peter. Until you really know who Jesus is, you don't know who you are. Until you really submit to him, you don't really know who you are. He says, because you had that revelation, you're now Petros, you're now the rock. And on this rock, he says, I will build my church. Healthy churches, healthy relationships, healthy homes, healthy families are built on the revelation of Jesus Christ. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, this evil place that you see that is the darkest place you know, it says, this place will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Messiah. What happens in the darkness of our world, we have a lot of options. As you say, man, I wanna build a family that honors God, but the world is getting darker. I, I wanna see this happen, but it seems like darkness is all around my reality all the time. We have options to where we can, we can curse the darkness, define the darkness, yell at the darkness, run from the darkness, or act like the darkness is not there. What does Jesus do? Walks into the darkness and says, here's how you have power over the darkness. Here's how you live in an increasingly dark culture that doesn't value what I value. You go into it with these principles. I see it all the time. I love to just tell you stories, but I think about a couple who could really believe, you know what, it's too dark for God to build anything in our home. Sonia and Justin, right at the beginning of 2020, Sonia at Prepare 2020 before everything in our world went crazy in March of 2020, she had a prayer card to pray 
for her husband to know God. And she began to pray during prepare. Well, it didn't get more light, it actually got more dark. Justin left the home, left her a letter, six months away, in the middle of with all the adjustments and changes to our culture, she pressed in as we had a lot of groups that just started meeting together on Zoom and trying to connect and be around one another. She got involved in one of those groups and that group of people began to pray for her family, began to pray for what God would do. And miraculously, Justin tunes in online from somewhere where she didn't even know. And that weekend, I'm preaching about how Jesus has the power to reconcile the most difficult situation. And she was impacted, but he was impacted. And I'm so excited to tell you here at our Keller campus, Saturday night, 6.30 service, they're now leading group, they're now restored, God's doing amazing things, and they dedicated their baby Levi this weekend. Because that's what Jesus has the power to do. I wanna give you three ways from Jesus' story here how God builds, how you can personalize this in your life. You're like, what do I need to build on? What do I wanna pass on? How do I understand that? Well, the first thing is, Jesus shows us that he builds revelationally. Revelationally, this is not an ideology. This is not an institutional decision. This is not, well, my family was quote unquote Christian, so I'm gonna subscribe to that religion over the other options. This is not just a philosophical viewpoint. This is not, well, I live in the USA. I eat apple pie and I like baseball, so I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm just that by way of proxy because I'm around it, so therefore I have it. No, Jesus says, no, 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 no. There's a revelation that you personally have to get. There's a revelation of who he is, a personal relationship with Jesus. I, I say to these families dedicating children, other than setting up the authority of the word of God, putting your children in environments where they can grow, let me tell you another big thing. There, again, children have a free will, they can make their own choices. And it's very painful to parents when they make the wrong choice. But I'm gonna tell you, in the long run, when they're later even in life, maybe it takes a little bit longer for some. The greatest thing a parent or a grandparent can give to people that they love so much is not having all the answers. But let me tell you another one that's really big, an authentic relationship with Jesus. I mean a real relationship with Jesus, where he's not just an option, he's the option. Where, where he's not just a convenient life insurance policy, but he's the Lord of my life. And I've submitted my life to him and he's real to me and I have a relationship with him. I did a little research this week thinking about building and I found a little street in Hollywood actually that if you look at that street, you would think I would like to live there. A lot of people that you may know live there. The Cleaver family, Beave lived there, right there. That's where he lived. He lived right on that street. And Lassie was on that street. And Beethoven was on that street. And a whole lot of other people that you've watched in different dramas live on that street. And you think, man, what a nice little neighborhood. There's only one problem. 
it's all a facade. No one actually lives on that street. They just film movies and they film shows and TV shows. It's a street that's used to film families who are acting like families. Well, let me encourage you. There's a lot of people in my work with people and pastoring people and a lot of times we have a presenting issue. I've got this problem, I've got this circumstance or I have this situation. Can I just offer to you something that I have a conversation behind closed doors and have for many years? What I find is we want the results that Jesus brings to our homes, but many times Jesus is not present in them. He, he's not real. There's not a real relationship. The foundation of a real revelation of Jesus is the starting point for everything God wants to build in your life. He not only builds revelationally though, he builds relationally. He builds relationally and I, I, I spend a lot of time talking about this too because I think when Jesus said there, he said, I'm building something. So if you're like, man, I want Jesus to build my life. I want him to build my home. I want him to build my kids. I want him to build. Well, a lot of times we're wanting him to build something in us, but we've never asked the question, what's he building? He said it there. I'm building my church. Now, now I know when I say that, you're like, oh, wait a minute, pastor. What, you're talking about a building with people. You're talking about an institution. I mean, you're a pastor, so of course you're talking about a church. Hold on a minute. Let, let, me, let me share something with you that I think is so important in today's world. For most people, when they think about church, they think about a building where people gather to listen to a guy talk. And thank God for the preaching of his word because the Bible says people are saved by this activity. But can I tell you, what Jesus is talking about there is way more than gathering for just a service of songs and some bald guy to get up there and talk for a little while. He's talking about an ethos of relationships that help you become who God's called you to be. He's talking about people who are further along in marriage and family who get around those that are younger. I was recently visiting with a small group in our church and just, just, just some great people. I mean, I, every time I get a chance to get out around the people of Milestone, I'm just humbled. Brandy and I left an event and I was just humbled by, I was just told her, I was like, this is amazing. Like, I, there was this whole small group at this event and I, I started just talking to them. And did you know, like, like all of them are up, kind of empty nesterish. That just means you're getting old. But anyway, that's a kind way to say it. Are y'all with me? <laughs> One lady came up to me after I said that uh, in another service. She goes, you never have an empty nest. They come back. No, anyway, okay. <laughs> I got you. Okay, all right. So <laughs> I got you. But, but this, this group of people, and, and I went, one of them was one of the few people who went on a ventilator during COVID who was healed. One of the families said, well, we've had some struggles with our children. Another family, they were talking about one of them had a shoulder surgery and got septic and almost died, had a whole bunch of stuff happening. It was just like, boom. I was like, I don't really know if everybody wants to be a part of this group because, man, y'all got a lot of problems in y'all's group, you know what I'm saying, you know? But the, you know what I really got from it? Man, they were 
texting one another, praying for one another. One of them told me, he said, the whole group came to our house and cleaned. One of the gentlemen in there is still in, in a challenging physical situation with a wound that hasn't healed and had a cancer surgery. And you, you know what I said in that moment that I'm gonna say, because I have the platform? I, I started telling people there, I was like, everybody needs to hear this. Young families, I understand it because I've been there. When you're busy with ball and you're busy with school and you're busy with stuff, hear me and hear me well. You're building your relationships today for your pain that's coming tomorrow. And as a pastor, yeah, that's a great place to clap because as a pastor, I see people walk through some of their most challenging situations. And I will say this, without a revelation of Jesus, and without the relationships, a lot of times the house starts shaking and a lot of stuff starts falling down. You can't do it alone. Here's the final thing. God, when we build this way, he builds generationally. When he said, I will build my church, he wasn't talking about one little group of people in Dallas-Fort Worth over a few year decade span. He's actually speaking of followers of Christ that go all the way back to the day of Pentecost when the church was born, the power of what we invest in when we love others, when we see people like Justin and Sonia come to Christ, when we pour our lives into young people, when we dedicate children, and I, I have the vantage point to where I now, 20 years later, I'm watching worship and I'm seeing young people who were dedicated in the church who are now leading us in worship. The power of the church is, is that we're not investing in something that's gonna blow away like the wind. We're pouring our lives into those coming behind us that by God's grace, they're gonna carry it further than we ever imagined. That's why I get so passionate about us being a church that pours in to the next generation because when we care about them and when we see God's plan for them, did you know Jesus actually? He got a little stern with his disciples. His disciples one time, you know, Jesus, the one going around preaching and healing and the little children were coming to Jesus. And the disciples thought they were the security and crowd control and they rebuked the kids saying, you can't, you can't talk to the man. You, you know, they were, and Jesus said, let all the little children come to me. In fact, Jesus over and over would say, if you don't have faith like a child, what's different about a child? The curiosity, the hunger, the, the, the desire to be, be faith-filled and believe God for something great we wanna have that around the atmosphere where, where we see those young people that God's doing amazing things in. And I'm gonna pray for you in just a minute, but I'm also gonna let you witness what I'm talking about and let you see as our kids are gonna close the service for me. And one of the stories that you're gonna see is Anna and Sophia. Anna, she gave her life to Christ here at Milestone and was water baptized. And Sophia, I think she's seven. You're gonna get a chance in just a minute to let Sophia use her gifts for Jesus. You know, I was 16 years old when my pastor let me preach. So if you think that it's just a random thing that just happens because we let young people lead us and do great things in this church, it's very intentional because I'm always thinking, who knows what the plan God has for them that they're even being equipped for that could come a lot faster than they may even know. 
I wanna show you when I talk about this message, revelation, relationships, and generational uh, blessing and, and what God does, I, I wanna show you a picture of that from a story from our church. Watch this with me. I'm gonna come back and pray for you. Let's try again. You can do it. Let's try again. Okay, loud. Go. One generation will commend your works to another. Will commend your work to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will tell of your mighty acts. Do you know this word says generation? Generation. One generation. So I started coming to Elevate, I was 15 years old. The church was just planted and my mom was a part of the church plant. I was coming every other weekend with my mom and I remember seeing Pastor Tyron, who was a young student pastor at the time. And it was the first time I'd seen somebody who was real, who loved God. And I was like, I don't know what it is that they have. I was like, but I want that. And that's where we met. It was like six months in when we were 16. I was really broken, and I was a, a kid who had a broken past and, and broken parents and a lot of pain and things like that, and I, I never thought it was even possible to really do something great. It hadn't even entered into my mind, and so I started to get around these guys, Pastor Jeff and these leaders who saw more for, for me. They saw it that like, hey, he has potential, but I needed so much development. And what I love is like they saw through the grit, they saw the gold. It was just wild to be able to grow up and elevate, be radically impacted in that environment, and then go on staff to serve students and everything that God did in me, man, it just gave me so much passion. And I was in student ministry for like nine years, and then just recently took over our online campus, online campus pastor. So after graduating high school, I went to college in Austin, graduated from there with an accounting degree, and went to work in Dallas at Deloitte for a few years. Got married, settled in Keller, Texas. And I always kind of had a tug for ministry. And so I made the move to oversee just the stewardship of finances and all the business aspects of Milestone. You see Luke and us like now, and we're like in our 30s, but it's like if you rewind, it's like we lived. 20 years of compounding like development and conversations and people just not giving up, always saying yes. more, always kind of pushing into it. You think about you have, you know, plans and visions for your own life, but you know, until you walk that out in the context of spiritual family and having people around you who believe in you, who call things out in you, who are there for you and you know, the hard times and the, and the great times, our first kid was born three months premature, was a emergency C-section, and it was one of the craziest times in our life. And what I remember clearly are those people that showed up at the hospital mm -hmm. at 10 p.m. that night and brought us coffee and loved on us and showed support and it meant the world to us because it was could have been so lonely and isolated and it was so difficult. But I remember their faces and I remember mm -hmm. them being there for us. And so it's really overwhelming to think like, okay, where we were at 16 and 17, you know, God would start with that. He saw us. Thankful for God to work it all out, you know, that we had people who believed so heavily in us. 
and cared so deeply about us and just the process of us growing up here and experiencing that. And now I see my kids. I see my son. I see my kids who, who are growing up in an environment and knowing that God loves them and has them in for them. Our, our ceiling is our kids' floor. Mm -hmm. You know what they're gonna experience. And so when we think about the next 20 years, we think better you can add, you know, than you can ask, think, or imagine for a whole nother generation. Isn't that amazing? Spiritual families in the context of Jesus's church raise up sons and daughters that do amazing things and then our prayer is always, and, and you know, I, I find it interesting if I'm honest with you, as my kids are now getting older, my, my oldest now have moved out of the house, one's married. The way you know it's really a value from God is it's, I'm, my kids are getting older and I'm still passionate about Luke and Sam's children and seeing the next generation walk in God's plan and God's purpose for their lives. And that's just a DNA of value for us here. Why? Because it's how Jesus builds. That's what he's building. And you may feel like, man, I'm a long way from that, but you're closer than you think. It's never too late. I wanna encourage you with that. Young families, start today. Start today. Those of you maybe in the middle, you're like, man, there's stuff falling down, pastor. I didn't build on God's principles. It's never too late. God can bring something out of ashes and he can restore it and build amazing things that glorify him. And I wanna say to those of you further along, we need a generation that's further along to pour into the next generation what God has put inside of us. That's the great thing about the kingdom of God. You never retire from being spiritual parents because there are always people there coming behind you that need what you have to offer to invest. And so I'm calling on you. I'm asking you to invest. I'm asking for us all as a church as well that as we're building this next kids building, it's more than a building, it's an atmosphere for children and young people, people to become who God's called them to be. And so later this year in November, we're gonna receive a miracle offering. I'm asking for all of our church family to be a part of it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today. I may be talking right now to someone online or maybe at the Hazlitt campus who, you're that person who says, I've got a structure on the outside, but Jesus doesn't live in my house. Jesus is not real to me. I don't have a revelation of Jesus. Well, Jesus wants to become real to you. You say, well, what do I do? You just simply surrender. It's not, it's not signing up for a religion. It's simply saying, Jesus, come into my life. I give you the reins, I give you control, I, I give you my life. I believe you died for me, I believe you rose from the dead. And I wanna make that personal decision that you become my Jesus, my personal Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, we're asking you to let us know so we can help you now start that journey. And Lord, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, Lord, that we would grab a hold of your principles and we wouldn't try to build it on our own, but we'd build it with you and who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, 
leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.